And if you would please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, we're beginning in verse 10 and reading through verse 20. This is God's word. Now, there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maidservants, and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. Or Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Well, that's not a very good story. I mean, I, I thought we're, we're supposed to be looking to Abram as this great example of the faith. We do look to him as the great example of the faith. Well, uh, (laughs) this doesn't sound like it. You're right. Because starting in Genesis and going all the way through the book of Revelation, there is only one human being who ever got it right all the time. And that's Jesus. Which is why he is the only one who was able to take our punishment because he didn't deserve to be punished. All the other folks in the scripture sometimes get it right, sometimes get it wrong. Some mostly get it wrong. Some mostly get it right. But all of us are a mixture. All the characters in the Bible are a mixture. And one of the things you will find about God's word is that it is absolutely true. And therefore, it tells the truth not only about God, who is perfect, but about us, who are not perfect. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, including Abram, who became Abraham. Well, how could God... Choose a man like that. It's the only kind there is. 
But, but, but how could God use a man like that? It's the only kind there is. The men and women of the Bible are flawed human beings, and God's word shows us what they did right and what they did wrong. So I guess the bottom line is, you know, we all make mistakes. <laughs> it's just no big deal, right? Oh, no, no, that's not, that's not the lesson. Sin is a huge deal. Sin is deadly. Well, I, I'm sorry, but I mean, when I, when I read these verses, uh, it looks like Abram made out well in Egypt. He did. I mean, it, it looks like he, he got blessed down there and ended up, when he finally has to leave the country, uh, going out of there a wealthy man. Yep, that's what happened. So God blessed a sinner in spite of his sin? Happens all the time. Otherwise, you and I wouldn't be here today. Well, okay, I, I still go back then to the idea that it's must be saying sin is not a big deal. If all we had in the Bible was this right here, just those verses, I would say God doesn't really care what we do. Doesn't, doesn't make any difference. When you read the whole book, you find out that because the penalty for sin is death, someone had to pay the penalty. And the only one who could is Jesus. We've said this before when it comes to forgiveness. Jesus in the New Testament was uh, just shocking to the people around him when he said to a man who was paralyzed, your sins are forgiven. The religious people who were standing there said, huh, he's making himself equal with God. Only God can forgive sin. Take a clue. Because Jesus is not only the perfect man, he is fully God. He's not part man, part God. He's fully man and fully God. I don't understand how that works. Well, welcome to finite beings. Okay? You and I can't understand a lot of things, but it doesn't make them not true. The scriptures are very clear, repeatedly, that Jesus is fully God. He's not less than God or part God. He is fully God. And he is fully man. He never sinned. Which would not be so remarkable if he was only fully God. Because God does not sin. God does not make mistakes. But Jesus was fully human. He did not have our sin nature. That's why the virgin birth is important. We'll talk about that later in the year, God willing, when we get closer to the celebration of his birth. But Jesus was born of a virgin. His father is God. His mother is Mary. And he did not share that dead, sinful nature that you and I are born with. Instead, he is the perfect man, 
the second Adam. And he came on the scene, and unlike the first Adam, who blew it and messed it up for all of us, Jesus never blew it. And when the devil did everything he could to tempt Jesus, Jesus did not give in. Jesus conquered the enemy. And when the enemy took him to the cross, Jesus conquered there as well. So, why did Abram do this? Well, it was deceit that was rooted in fear. We could say cowardice. Well, cowardice might be a little strong. No, not really. This guy feared for his own life and therefore sacrificed his wife. He asked her to lie with him, not in a bed, but in a ruse, trying to fool the Egyptians and make them think that they were not husband and wife. Just tell them you're my sister. This isn't the only time that Abram did this. We find out later in Genesis that he did it over and over as he went from place to place. And he salved his conscience with the fact that actually she was his half-sister. Same father, different mother. He married his half-sister? Yeah. Well, wasn't that a sin? No, not back then. God had not yet said, don't do that anymore. Because at this point, the gene pool was not where it became. I just, I'm sorry, this is all is just, yeah, my head is swimming. You're saying that he married his half-sister and it's okay. It was okay for him to marry his half-sister. It is not okay for you to marry your half-sister or your half-brother. Got that? Well, I, I know that. I don't even want to marry my first cousin. My second cousin's kind of cute, but anyway. <laughs> he married his half-sister. That was okay. But he lied about it by saying something that in his mind was not really a lie because she is my sister. But it's a lie when you're saying something that is partly true in order to fool people. It's called deceit. It's called a lie. And it happens all the time. Recently, the mentors were up at my house, and one of the mentors asked me, have you read all those books? Got a lot of books on my shelves. And I responded by saying, well, I could answer with the famous response that is deceitful by saying some of them twice. Okay? Have you read all those books? Some of them twice. Now, if you say that, what are you trying to convey to people? That you've read all of them at least once, some of them twice. But that would not be true. If I said I've read some of them twice, that is accurate and misleading. Because I have read some of them twice. 
I've read some of them more than twice. But I haven't read all of them. Don't lie by twisting the truth in order to get people to believe something that isn't true. Abram, because of cowardice, fearing for his own life, was willing to sacrifice his wife. Pharaoh says, I took her to be my wife. She had to go along with it because her husband had made her feel that if she didn't go along with it, he was going to die and it would be her fault. And poor Sarah. Sarah is saying, look, honey, I can't help that I'm so beautiful. Apparently she was really beautiful. I mean, she was the kind of beautiful that the king gets told about. Okay? So Abram was just sure, they're going to kill me to get to her. Now what's interesting is, these people were pagans. The folks in Egypt. But even they knew that adultery was wrong. Let me say that one more time. These people were pagans. But even they knew that adultery is wrong. Let's see if we can say together what you're all supposed to have either memorized when you got here or be memorizing having recently come. Talking about sex. Sex is designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. Let's try that one more time with a little more gusto. Sex is designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. That answers all the questions about, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what if, what if you're really in love? Well, what if you're going to get married? Well, what if your marriage just isn't a happy one? It's designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman, not between a man and some women or a woman and some men. It's designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. Even the pagans knew that if that's somebody else's wife, she's off limits. So, Abram was deceitful because he feared for his life and sacrificed his wife. And God still blessed and used him. God still blessed and used him. He would repeat this sinful pattern multiple times. Another one described in detail later on. Chapters later. I think it's chapter 20. But God not only would spare Abram and bless Abram, but had chosen to use Abram to bring salvation to all who believe. Because it's through his line that Jesus is going to come.
If you go back to Noah, through whom God brought salvation, you find a guy who did some things right and did some things wrong. Why is the embarrassing story about Noah's drunkenness and nakedness and curse on his grandson, why, why is that in the Bible? Couldn't we have just snipped that out and left us with only happy thoughts about Noah? No, because that would be deceitful. Tell the whole truth. God does. And he calls us to be honest. God is never the author of sin, but God is able even to use the sin of man to bring about good, to bring about blessing for those who love him. God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. Think of some of the examples that you know from other Bible stories. Joseph. Joseph, whose brothers, we'll come to it later in Genesis, but Joseph, whose brothers sold him into slavery, and then went back home and convinced dad that he'd been killed by a wild animal. Horrible. Horrible. That's deceit. Well, they came by it honestly because their dad was a deceiver. Joseph's father, Jacob, was a deceitful man who came by it honestly because his father, Isaac, did this same lie about his wife being his sister in order to try and protect himself. Isaac did that. You mean he married his sister too? No! No, he didn't marry his sister. But he lied just like his dad. Abram. You know what? God says that all liars are going to end up in hell. We're all going to hell? Unless you repent, you're going to hell. For lying? I guarantee you that's not the only thing you've done wrong. But yes, for lying. So God takes this sin thing really seriously. He takes it so seriously that the only way that our sin could be atoned for was through the death of his son. Which is the ultimate example of how God can take wicked things that people do and bring about good. So does God cause people to do bad things? Never. Joseph who we just mentioned was sold into slavery by his brothers, years later, when he's talking with his brothers, say, guys, don't be fearful. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Did God make them sell him into slavery? No, not at all. But God is so big and so wise and so strong that he is able to take even the things we do wrong 
and turn it into something beautiful. My dad, when I was a kid, told a story about a famous artist in Great Britain who was having dinner in a little, we'll say, cafe. And the server accidentally knocked over a pitcher of some beverage that stained the wall, created a big splat, ugly splat on the wall. And the owner of the cafe was furious with the server and started to beat him, and the artist said, no, stop, don't touch him. And he went over and he took that stain and with his artistry added details that turned it into an amazing picture. And then the artist signed it. And they realized who he was. He was a famous artist, but they hadn't recognized him. Until he took something that seemed accidental and ugly and damaging and turned it into something beautiful. Let me tell you something. All of us have made a mess. We've all done wrong. And God loves us so much that he sent his son to die in our place, bearing the wrath we deserved, so that we could not only be forgiven, but transformed from the inside out. And God is able to take that mess of a life that you and I are frustrated with, discouraged about, feeling like, how could God ever do something with me? God is able to take that ugliness and create something beautiful. Think of the Apostle Paul, whose previous name was Saul of Tarsus. God took his life and transformed it. He was a guy who was determined to obliterate the Christians. But God had chosen him to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. One who would bring the good news to the world. And we're still reading today the words that God spoke through him. And Paul, writing to the Philippians, who are very discouraged and fearful because he's the guy who led them to the Lord, and now he's in prison. And he's not getting out anytime soon, it doesn't look like. And Paul writes to them in Philippians, and he says, listen, I want you to know something. God has actually used my imprisonment for good. The gospel is spreading all the more because I'm in prison. Other people are being encouraged to trust God and to share the good news. Do you think God could do something with your life? If you think he could because you're just so bright and so talented, you're not ready. Okay. 
You think, well, yes, actually, I've, I've felt for some time I could, be, I could be very useful to God because have you noticed the way my teeth shine? That's not who God uses. Saying I have to have bad teeth like you? No, no. What I'm saying is God doesn't use us based on a lot of the stuff that this world thinks is so important. Instead, God takes even our broken places and meets us there and uses us displaying the fact that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Well, I don't think God could ever use me because I've done some bad things. We've all done some bad things. Okay, not like you, but that was humor. Did you get that? We've all done bad things. We all deserve hell. Quit beating yourself up over that. Come to the cross and realize that Jesus died to save sinners. That means you're eligible. He didn't die for the good people. There aren't any. Jesus came to save sinners. Even ones like Abram. Cowardice is something God hates. Abram was cowardly on more than one occasion. Lying is something that God hates. Abram lied on more than one occasion. He was selfish. He was willing to put his wife in harm's way in order to protect himself. And God did not abandon him, but God redeemed him. And that's what God offers to you. Not just forgiveness, but redemption. Changing us from the inside out. So did uh, Abram get better? Yes. He would become more courageous and he would learn to believe God. And then from that point on, it was all perfect. No, he still would stumble on occasion. But God chose to bring redemption to him and through him. Not just for him, but for us. Repent and believe the good news. Father, we come to you this day knowing that apart from you, we can do nothing. We look at the lives of people in Scripture, and there are some inspiring things and some embarrassing things. But you consistently tell us the truth and call us to trust in you. If we trust in ourselves, we will fail. If we trust in you, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Thank you that we do not have to be cowards and we do not have to be deceitful because when we know Jesus, we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear opposition or persecution 
because you told us to expect those things. Thank you that you promise to manifest your strength in us when we depend on you. And so we pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.